Today, I have the honor, the privilege, the humble opportunity uh, to share with you a word that I believe is going to encourage you the way it's been encouraging me. It's something that not only have I gone through, but I am going through and we constantly go through in life. So um, we're going to be exploring the wilderness as a metaphor in Scripture, and we're going to go through all of it from beginning to the end. Um, So let's read this, and then we'll pray. Deuteronomy 8, 2. It says, remember how the Lord your God, he did what? He led you all the way in the wilderness these 40 years to humble you and to test you in order to know what was in your heart, whether or not you would keep his commands. Let's pray. Dear Jesus God, thank you, God, that we get a chance to come to church today that we get a chance to hear your word, to hear a word that you have for us. Let let people not hear my words, God, but I pray that they would hear your words, God, that they would hear your Holy Spirit speaking to them, deep and personal. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. I want to know, how many of you like tests? None of you. One of you. Come on, I love tests. Here's another one, one of mine. I love tests. You know why? Because I get to pass them. (laughs) I see a test and my adrenaline starts coming in and I want to pass the test. But whether you love tests or you hate tests, tests are a part of life. And tests will allow us to move forward. They're not just for for having a test, but for example, I believe there's three different types of tests. There's the tests that test your knowledge. They are the SAT. In order to get to college, you have to pass this test or get at least a good grade in this test. Then there are the skills tests, also known as aptitude tests. When you're going through an interview, you you will get tested. It's to make sure that you have the right skills that are suited for a particular position. Come on, before, before getting the ability to drive, you have to go through a driver's license test. And some of you shouldn't have passed that test, but that's a different story. That's a different message for another time. Uh, but the, the real tests, and I believe the tests that are really challenging, the ones that oftentimes we really don't like going through are the tests that test our character, not our knowledge or or our skills. They're the tests that we go through when life gets hard, when when life throws a curveball at you and and it catches you off guard and you don't know what you're doing. It is like when a mom asks a kid, have you cleaned your room? and they already know the answer. They already know if you did or didn't, but they're trying to test your character. And today, that's what we're exploring. It's what we're looking at. It's the wilderness as a test. And we're gonna explore, we're gonna explore this wilderness together, and we're gonna see not just what we do in the wilderness, but also what scripture tells us that we should do when we go, when we walk through these trials and these seasons but also what God does in the middle of the wilderness. And the thing about the wilderness, and we see it all throughout scripture, the thing about the wilderness is there's a tension in it. Because the word that is used is eremos. That's the Greek word, eremos. And this word is translated 157 times. 
And out of 157, 93 of them are, are meaning a place of tension, a place of despair, a place of discomfort. But the thing about the wilderness and why there is a tension is that it is also a place where God speaks. It is also a place where God provides and God is with you. So the first place that we see Eremos, this word in the wilderness, is we see it with Hagar. And Hagar is an African slave that is sent out into the wilderness by her master Abraham. She is sent out as a single mother with nothing but a piece of, but a piece of bread and water. I'm talking about water. I need some water. After that, we see the Israelites walking out of Egypt and embracing a season in the wilderness where they spend 40 years there. You can extend your season in the wilderness. After that, we see Joseph, and Joseph is left in a pit by his brothers in the wilderness. And after that, we can see David running away from Saul, who wants to kill him, and he runs away into the wilderness, but he also goes into a spiritual wilderness. You see, the wilderness can mean the desert, but it can also mean a spiritual, personal, emotional wilderness. You can be going through the wilderness and not be in the physical desert. And then we move on, and, and in the New Testament, we see John show up, and John the Baptist is a voice calling in the wilderness. And I don't think it's a coincidence that John the Baptist is speaking in the wilderness. We know that Isaiah says that God makes a way in the wilderness. And then we see Jesus, and Jesus is led to the wilderness. He is led to the wilderness by the Holy Spirit where he is tempted and tested. So today, again, we're going to see what we do in the wilderness, what Scripture says that we should do in the wilderness, and what God does in the wilderness. Are we ready? All right. First thing that we do in the wilderness, we question God's word. Psalm 78, 17 through 19, it says, how often they rebelled against him in the wilderness and grieved him in the wasteland, but they continued to sin against him. Rebelling in the wilderness against the Most High, they willfully put God to the test by demanding the food they craved. They spoke out against God and they said, can God really spread a table in the wilderness? Listen, I don't know exactly what season you are going through, but I know that I have walked through seasons in my own life where I have said, does God really spread a table in the wilderness? You know, I, I have gone through different seasons and maybe you have as well. Maybe today you're in a situation where you got a medical diagnosis and, you, and that has struggled with your, faith, with your faith and it has pushed you into a season of despair. It has pushed you into a season where you don't know how to trust God. Did God really say he would heal? Did God really say that he would do that? Or maybe you're here today and, and honestly, you married somebody and they haven't turned out to be the person you thought it was. And you thought that the Lord was leading you to marry that person and now you're doubting it. Now you're saying, did God really want this for me? The second, and, and, and I believe that there's nothing wrong, there's nothing inherently wrong with questioning God. God can handle your questions. 
So I believe that there is a massive difference between questioning God with faith, seeking understanding, and versus without faith and without seeking understanding. You see, when you're questioning God without faith, all you're doing is trying to question God to deconstruct God. You're trying to deconstruct everything. When you're seeking God and you're questioning God with faith, seeking understanding, your heart is actually proclaiming and saying, how does this happen? How, how, God, I'm trying to understand why I'm going through this season in the wilderness. You see, in Scripture, we see time and time again people questioning God. Abraham questioned God. David, we see in the Psalms, some of you, like, you wouldn't even believe what the Psalm says. You're like, whoa, I wouldn't say that in my own prayer life, but it's in Scripture. Job, he's one of the characters that constantly questions and questions and questions God. And what happens in the end of Job, he says that nothing that he said was wrong and he did not sin. The second thing we do when we're in the wilderness is we turn to idols. And an idol is anything that we turn to before we turn to God. And I call them our little comforts. Anybody has a little comfort? You know, when I, I love this. When life gets complicated and life gets overwhelming and I don't know what to do, you know what I wanna do? Eat ice cream. Ice cream makes it better. I'm serious, I will turn to ice cream and then I'll, lead to, I'll, I'll, I'll take it to God. And I shouldn't, I shouldn't. We have these little comforts. We have these little comforts in our lives, whether it is a season that you're going through and you're going through, through, through despair and you're trying to work through things and you don't know how to handle a situation, so all you do is you turn to your work and you keep on working and you try to achieve success and you try to achieve prestige, but at the end of the day, none of that is going to take you out of a season in the wilderness. None of it will. I don't know what you're going through. I don't know the insecurities that you have right now, but the first thing that you have to do is take them to God. That's the first thing that you have to do. You have to take everything to God. Maybe today you're here and you're dealing with some trauma, but instead of dealing with it, you turn to TikTok, you turn to social media, you turn to the next available relationship that ends up toxic but we have to take it to God. He has to be our first. And then the second thing, or what scripture, that leads us perfectly to what scripture tells us that we actually should be doing. And the first thing is worship. Let's read Exodus chapter seven, 16. It says, then say to him, the Lord, the God of the Hebrews. This is Moses, this is God. God speaking to Moses, he said, the Lord, the God of the Hebrews has sent me to you. Let my people go so they may worship me. Where are they supposed to worship him? In the wilderness. So they may worship me in the wilderness. You see, worship, the thing about worship is we always, or we tend to have the wrong idea about worship. We tend to think, oh yeah, I'm listening to worship music while I'm driving in my car, or I'll have worship music playing in my house all day. But that doesn't mean that you actually spent a moment in worship. You can come into this room and not worship. You know how I know? Because I've done it. 
You'd think I wasn't going to be real today. I've done it. I've been in this very room and I've had so much stuff in my mind. So many things that I have to do, so many preoccupations other than spending a moment with Jesus that I have failed to worship. I have failed to worship. And that is the first thing that we should do. We need to worship. We need to take not to our idols, but to God. I believe worship is surrender. Worship is something of the heart and of the spirit. And the second thing that scripture tells us to do is to embrace the wilderness. And I almost titled this message, Walking Through the Wilderness. Why? Because we all wanna walk through it. We wanna go out of the wilderness. We don't like the wilderness, but I titled it Embracing the Wilderness. Why? Because there are some things that you have to learn in this season. The thing about the wilderness is that the wilderness is not a living place, it's a passing place. You will walk through the wilderness, but you can also delay your time in the wilderness if you don't hear and you don't learn what the Lord wants you to learn. Maybe you're still in the wilderness because you haven't learned how to rely on God. And part of embracing the wilderness is allowing the wilderness or the season that you're going through to be the season that you're going through. Maybe you're walking through depression. Allow yourself to feel that. I know that doesn't sound right, but allow yourself to feel that. God is with you in your pain. Maybe you lost somebody. God is with you in your pain. God is with you in the wilderness. But we shouldn't extend our time in the wilderness. We need to seek God. We need to worship God while we're in the wilderness. You see, I think we go through the wilderness because a faith that hasn't been tested can't be trusted. A faith that hasn't been tested can't be trusted. Look at what James 1 says. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Isn't that crazy? Consider it joy when you face trials of many kinds. Look at what it says. Because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete. <laughs> we don't have that in our discipleship pathway. We don't have, oh, I want to go through trials to, in order to be mature, in order to grow spiritually. That is not something we want to go through but we will go through whether we like it or not. So it's important that we go through because remember, it allows us to move forward. And the things that you learn during this season in the wilderness will help you in your next season in the wilderness. And one of the things that the author of Hebrews tells us that we should do while we're walking in the wilderness is to guard our hearts. Hebrews 3.8 says, do not harden your hearts as you did in the rebellion during the time of testing in the wilderness. What does this mean? It means that you're going through suffering, you're going through pain, maybe somebody hurt you, maybe you lost somebody and it's very easy to take a step back and then never let anybody close again. It is very easy to let our hearts harden. It is very easy to no longer be vulnerable because we might be hurt. But it says, guard your hearts. Proverbs tells us that we should do it above everything else, for it is the wellspring of life. So we need to guard our hearts. 
And honestly, I believe that the only way that we can truly guard our hearts is by putting it in Jesus. It's the only way. I don't believe that you are capable of guarding your own heart. I think you will still be hurt. I think you will still hurt yourself. I think you will still fail in the process. But the truth is, God is the only one who can truly guard your heart as we're walking through the difficult seasons of life. And finally, we turn to what God does in the middle of the wilderness. What God does in the middle of the wilderness. Let's read it. Genesis 16, 7. And this is talking about Hagar. And the angel of the Lord found her. God finds us in the wilderness. He found her by a fountain of water in the wilderness. Genesis 16, 13, it says, She gave this name to the Lord who spoke to her. You are the God who sees me. For she said, I have now seen the one who sees me. You see, we can go through a season of the wilderness. In fact, Luke chapter 15, we get three parables. We get the parable of the lost, the lost sheep, the lost coin, and the lost son. And in the parable of the sheep, it says that 99 are left in the wilderness, but one, the shepherd goes to find one. But the 99 are left in the wilderness. Don't you think that they're left in the wilderness so that they can learn how to trust God, how to trust their shepherd, that he knew what he was doing, leaving them in the wilderness, that they might be able to trust that our God is a God who finds us. Come on, anybody can say that I have been lost, but now I am found. That I was lost one day, but the Lord has brought me back in. The second thing God does that we see is he provides. God provides in the middle of the wilderness. And we see it, we see it through the passages uh, of Israel. We got De Deuteronomy 8.16. It says, you gave them manna to eat in the wilderness. And Nehemiah 9.21, it says, for 40 years you sustained them in the wilderness. They lacked nothing. Their clothes did not wear out, nor do their feet become swollen. When I first moved to the, to the United States, I, I moved to Florida, and I went to school. I was actually going to study theology, and uh, I was so sure that's what the Lord wanted me to do. I was 100% sure I left everything behind. I knew no one, literally no one. And the moment I got to Florida, I was having the best time of my life. I was talking to people. I was learning theology. And I was getting my mind blown by these professors. That, and I was loving it. It was fantastic. But a couple of semesters later, I found myself questioning whether God actually told me. Why? Because I was going through a season where I didn't know if I was going to have the means to continue. I had gone in, I promise you, I was in despair mode. I had gone into every single department. I have walked into every single building trying to find a job. But nobody wanted to hire an international student. Because simply I had different restrictions that the government was putting on me. Nobody wanted to hire me. And in that moment, I, I went into despair and I went into a season of wilderness where I didn't know I had a plan. I'm a strategic thinker. Thinker, I was going to leave, I was going to start working, I was going to raise up more money, and then I was going to go back to school because I knew God had called me to that. But in that moment, I was, 
I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know if I'm going to be here next semester. And in that moment, the Lord provided. And I got hired. And not only did I get hired, I got hired and I was given a full scholarship. I was given food. I was given money. And it was, I was out of the wilderness. It was a good time. <laughs> the, the third thing that we see God do is God directs. You see, in Exodus, we see that Moses constantly goes out into the wilderness to hear God. And that's part of the tension of the wilderness. It is a place of trial, temptation, but the Lord speaks, he finds us, he provides for us, and he directs us. Look at what Nehemiah says. Nehemiah 9, 19, it says, because of your great compassion, you did not abandon them in the wilderness. By day, the pillar of cloud did not fail to guide them on their path, nor the pillar of fire by night to shine the way, to shine the way that they were to take. Come on, God provided a cloud and a fire to guide them within the wilderness. Is anybody grateful today that when they've been in the wilderness, God has provided, that we have a God that is not far from us, that we have a God that is not far from us, that he's a high priest that understands us, that Jesus also came to this earth, and he also had to embrace a season in the wilderness, that when he was on Gethsemane, he was praying to God, and he was saying, God, I do not want to go through this wilderness. I do not want to go through this wilderness, but not my will be done, your will, God. Not my will, God, your will be done. And Jesus decided to start walking through a season, the path of the cross. He decided to take on the wilderness so that he could die on a cross for us, so that we could move forward. I don't know about you, but that encourages me. I think I can walk through a couple wilderness. If Jesus did that for me, I can walk through the wilderness. I am not afraid to walk through. I know it's scary. I know it's trials, but you know what? I know who's with me. Jesus is with me. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. So today, that's what I want us to remember. We'll go through trials, whether we like it or not. But the Lord is with us. We should not turn to idols. We should turn to worship. We should seek God in everything that we do. He should be our first, not our last. So today, as, as we're moving to, to prayer, I just want to encourage you. The wilderness is not your living place. It's your passing place. But even though you're in this season, the Lord is with you. You don't have to stay there. You can seek God. God provides, he directs, he comforts. He is right there in the wilderness. Come on, I can walk through a wilderness. I'm not afraid of a wilderness. I'm not afraid of it. Even though I walk through the valley, I will fear no evil. I will fear no evil. Do I need to see? I will fear no evil. Even though I'm walking through this season, I will not fear because our God came, he died on the cross for you, and he rose again. Come on, let's take that to heart today. 
I know it can be hard, but God is with us.